You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. Welcome to In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. Today's show, In Orbit, number 32, block-busting SIVA news. You're your hosts, me, Jorge, and of course, David. And I'm joined again by Mr. James Hale. Say hi. Hey. And we're also joined by Dre Briscoe. Say hi. What up? All right, so on today's show, we're going to be discussing the gigantic drop from Game Informer about Rise of Iron. But before we get into anything, I kind of want to do a little plug. I've been talking about this for some time now, and we are now live. This coming September will be my seventh anniversary of being in remission uh, from cancer. I will be participating in the Rise of Hope Twitch streams on September 20th at Rise of Iron launch. My charity that I am going to be collecting funds for will be the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I know that without donations to great groups like LLS, I would not be here today. To help out with this great cause, please visit www.gofundme.com slash the number 2QM39G6K for donations. And come watch me explore the Plaguelands on September 20th at www.twitch.tv slash go2nrg. Don't forget to check out www.lls.org to learn about blood cancers that involve the very young to the very old among us and learn about this great charity. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right, so many people began this week not expecting a whole lot. I know we here in Into Orbit, we didn't expect a whole lot. Since we put out the show on Tuesday, and Game Informer told us to pretty much kiss our ass. Uh, They put out the entire expansion, all this information for the entire expansion, and we were talking about, oh, you know, they're going to talk about the winter reveal and this and that, and then no, smack, here's the entire game. Okay. Uh, The article on Game Informer... um, basically talked about everything pvp pve the strikes the raid so let's just right jump into it piece by piece first let's talk about the story uh by now most people already know what the story is all about lord saladin has contacted us the guardian after many travels to stop the vex crota the house of wolves and skolas and of course oryx while we have been training with him with the monthly iron banner challenges and he's been testing us to prepare for the day when SIVA, a golden age nanotechnology that operates almost like the Triforce. In good hands, it does wondrous things. In bad hands, it does poo-poo apocalyptic things. And while we've been busy with other galactic threats, the House of Devils and their splicers went into the Plaguelands. They slapped the hell out of Lord Saladin 
and they took ownership of Siva, uh, a power that was sealed away by the Iron Lords that once took them out, except for Saladin. So the main storyline is about five missions long and begins with us going into Felwinter's Peak to open it back up. And when we finally open it up, we have two, at least two vendors that we know about. Tyra Karn, who's an Awoken Archivist, and we have Shiro Four, who's one of Cade's scouts. Now, unfortunately for a lot of people, Cade Six is not present in the main quest, so he has no new recorded lines. And most of the interaction is going to be between you and your ghosts. Um, there is a character in the game, this has been reported, who refers to you as the young wolf. So they're kind of throwing in references from Game of Thrones there. Ooh. And while previous expansions focused solely on the boss, where it was Crota, Skolas, or Oryx, this one really focuses the story on the history of the Iron Lords and your journey to become one and getting the order reestablished. What's going to be really cool is when you finally go to the Fallen Fortress in the Plaguelands, um, where they're going to tie together everything with regards to the story, and you get to see what the Siva and the Fallen structures combined will look like. So that's going to be really, really cool to see. And several patrol missions and quests while you're on patrol will give you tokens, which they haven't really explained what those tokens are going to be for. Um, just like in The Taken King, there will be post-campaign missions and quests which are designed to get you ready for the raid, The Wrath of the Machine. Dun, dun, dun. So let's go ahead and discuss that, uh, that stuff that we just learned about. Uh, the, Taken, the Taken King's storyline quest was about eight missions long that had a, another couple quests tied into the middle. Uh, the Taken King quest was the coming war on Phobos, Cade Stash on Earth, the Dreadnought on the Dreadnought, Enemy of My Enemy on the Dreadnought, Lost to Light on the Moon, The Promethean Code on Earth, Last Rites on the Moon, and Regicide, Regicide on the Dreadnought. So we can easily see that it's going to be a combination style of what it was for House of Wolves, where House of Wolves, I believe, had five missions for the main story, and then it had quest lines from the Taken King. What do you guys think about it? That is that good, bad. We'll start off with David. Well, uh, so here's the thing: it it's not necessarily bad because they're saying it's in the middle of House of Wolves and Taking. Yes, everybody wants more story missions, and I think it would have been good for them to basically, if these quests tie into the story missions, explain that further to basically say the story doesn't. It doesn't end with these five because a five mission story mission is a short, incomplete feeling story mission. We all got that feeling when we played Dark Blow. We all got that feeling when we played House of Wolves. It just didn't feel like the story really built to anything and then you finish it off. So that's that's a negative. Uh, positive here is the story, according to the Game Informer people, is like a good story. They, they worked with what they didn't take in King and used it to make the story good. So there's a positive. Uh, a negative, which, I mean, I'm leaning more towards the negative side with these only five story missions, even though I still have great hope for this expansion as a whole. The story aspect's just lacking a little for me. My negative would be it's the start of year three. 
So how long do they expect us to live off this expansion with a story that's only five missions long? So what about you, James? What do you think of the story, uh, main story mission being only five missions? Um, similar to David, but obviously I'd like to see him work in the actual quest lines a bit more. If those main story missions are five, but they're spaced out a little bit by the fact that you can't do the next one because you've got to go and do a lot of other stuff, then that's fair enough. It's, it seemed like in The Taken King, but they put those bits at the end that you had to go and do, kind of the PvE kind of patrol stuff. Um, just bunged it at the end so that you could have some extra stuff to do to try and pad it out. But if they actually work it in and they've, they've got the storyline together and you need to go and collect bits and pieces to actually use, etc., um, in the actual storylines, then it, it might not be too bad a thing that it's not as many missions long. So I'd like to see what they do with that. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Dre? What do you think is so far of uh, it only being five missions? Well, five missions is is about the average <clears throat> right now, I guess. But as long as they're impactful, I just don't want to go through these five missions and start playing the game and I feel like nothing was accomplished, nothing's changed. These five missions are introducing new elements to gameplay and story in the, des- in the world of Destiny. I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I'm reading the when I was reading the Game Informer article, they were talking about how the missions were going to be very brief, and it was going to be a quick story mission. So that kind of took a lot of the air out. But what really, what I'm focused on more is the post story quests, because while the main story mission was cool for Taken King, it was it was okay. I'm more, I'm I was more intrigued by everything afterwards. The whole paradox mission was really really cool. Um, all the different missions that you had afterwards were really really cool. So in total, this could be say ten total missions, which would be really really cool. Because I mean that's what happened with Taken King. You had the eight main story missions, and then you had five, six, seven additional missions afterwards, which were very, very fun, very, very cool, sent you off to do a whole bunch of stuff. The problem was that they reused a lot of stuff, which made it easy for them to make a whole bunch of story missions. So when you were going through a lot of these story missions, you're just like, oh, this is basically the taken version of when we did the one mission on Venus. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so uh, I, I, I see the plus and minuses. As long as a lot of these missions are focused on the plague lands, I'm cool. Where I'll get upset is if the majority of them are on items that we've already been at. Like that would be, yeah, that's that's no bueno to me. I mean, another thing that could be a problem is, like you said, they said the story missions are kind of brief. I don't like that. I don't I don't like going into story missions where it's like I, I play the story mission, I start to get involved, and then it's over. They they need to st- and that happened with Taken King. They need to start making story missions last a little bit. Story missions aren't supposed to be three minutes long. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping for story missions that are the length of uh Lost to Light. 
the one where you're going to get the shard of orcs, uh, orcs, Crota's soul, and then you go back the other way, and that one was like, no matter what, a, a normal run, even if you do it without the um, the side uh, ten minute thing, it takes you about a good ten to twelve minutes. It's a long mission. Oh, so yeah. So I mean, we, we do have to see what it's like. And as we all know, the main focus of Destiny isn't the actual main storyline. It's the post storyline and the post mission. So I'm not too worried. And I'm pretty sure that we'll have a lot of quests to do and, and, and lots of stuff to do. So with that, let's go ahead and jump right into the different PvE activities that we got. Because we know that Taken King wasn't just the main storyline. It had your Court of Oryx. It had your... Um, different quests. So this game's version of Court, Court of Oryx is going to be Archon's Forge. And it's been described as a mix between Court of Oryx and Prison of Elders. The encounters are going to be way longer, about five minutes long, because right now you can do a Court of Oryx uh, boss in about 30 seconds. Uh, there's going to be varying difficulties, also like Court of Oryx, where you had the easy, the middle, the the hard. And the enemies will come out in horde-like waves. The arena is much, much larger than the Court of Oryx. And, will, and also like Court of Oryx, you can have up to eight people playing at one time. Unlike Court of Oryx, Archon's Forge will have a full armor set and specific rewards that are tied into it. Now, they haven't really talked too much about the actual activity. They have talked about where enemies come from different areas in the ceiling... Uh, a pipe will break and all of a sudden all these different dregs drop, drop out. You have to fight a boss. Anybody that knows me knows that one of my favorite gameplay experiences of all time has been Gears of War 2, where we did the horde mode. And it was like me and my friend Adrian, we would just play that for hours and hours and hours on, on end. And if this mode provides a similar experience, um, it's obviously not going to be a, a full-on horde mode, but a similar experience where we're just getting surrounded by enemies and laying down explosions and all this stuff, and just you can, I can easily see myself spending a whole bunch of time here. It seems like they took to heart the criticisms of of Court of Oryx, where it was fun. But it was way too quick, and there was there just wasn't any real reason to do it until the April update. What do you guys think? Well, uh, first thing I want to say is, how long do you think it's going to take them to actually put a real horde mode in this game? Because they keep getting closer and closer, closer. But like, where's the real horde mode? Because when you get that, then people start to have a ton of fun. But um, I, I feel like this will be a decent activity. If anything, it'll just kind of be like Court of Orcs was fun at the start, fun when they made it relevant again. But as it's got a full set of armor and specific rewards, which is great because now it gives people a reason to go in and collect everything, especially if the armor looks awesome or has perks that make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to the Forge. Um, just looking at the article and reading it, it sounds like this is, you know, this is a step into port mode, and I as well love that feature in Gears. 
I could play that just for hours on end. Mindless mayhem. And, you know, I I look forward to doing that in Destiny now. Yeah, I, I know the second that I, I pull out the Galahorn, just for old time's sake, you know, I see all Archon, I'll be like, boom. Just fire that. Oh, my God. Grind. Pull out a machine gun. Hmm. Oh, man, I can't wait for, for Archon's Forge. I, I hope that they reveal it cause in one of the um, gameplay videos, like the, the streams that Bungie will do, because I just this more than more than other things. Obviously, I'm excited for the raid, but I'm really, really excited to go into Archon's Forge with people and just get obliterated the first few weeks when we're not strong enough. And just laughing at the, at the amount of destruction going on. So let's go ahead and talk about the new strike. Uh, the new strike's called the Wretched Eye, and it'll it's a strike where basically the fallen are experimenting with the hive, and it takes place within a missile silo in the Plaguelands. And every time that you play it, you're going to have a different experience. It's going to lead to different paths, different enemies, and it all culminates with a quote-unquote Frankenstein's monster-like boss, a.k.a. your mom. Damn. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the, the, whole, the, the whole concept is, is really cool where you're able to uh, kind of see different paths instead of the way they did, uh, say, taken version of the strikes. Something different where, where you're actually going into a different area instead of moving to the same area with just different enemies. What do you guys think of, of the new the, the ideas of the new strike? It's a good premise, but is it going to be like um, Challenge of Elders in the end where they said, oh, you're going to have 16 weeks of not getting bored of this because it's going to be different every time. And obviously all, the, all you were doing is looking to see what the buffs were. And then going ahead and doing it like normal every time. And it only took a couple of weeks before you kind of thought... Well, they have changed, but because it's still the same kind of layout. No, because uh, they're it's the same. So oh, sorry, I thought you were dead. I didn't mean to talk nah, over you. Um, uh, sorry. Um, lost my train of thought because of that. Okay, here we go. Yes, it's <laughs> not going to be like that at all because they already just said there's three tunnels, and uh, I don't even think they said it'll change. Each time you go into a different tunnel, I think they just said there are three different doors that will open that will have something different. So it's kind of like having, oh, uh, the was the saber strike where you'd go to that uh, orbital thingy, mabobber that fell to the ground. That's name I cannot remember. God, I'm on fire right now. Are you talking about the war set? Yes, war set. <laughs> uh, sorry, I try and drown those out of my memory since sleepers in here. <laughs> but uh, where you'd have like the hive, and then you'd have taken, and then you'd have fallen. I think it's going to be kind of like that. You'll just have three different rooms where you see different enemies in it. But does anybody else feel like we've already seen the boss for this? You know, a giant ogre with a spinning thing in its head? So, yeah, I'm I'm also tired of the ogre bosses myself. So I'm just... I'm, I'm going into this strike cautiously, but it could be a lot of fun. So we'll we'll see how it plays out and, and, and what it's like. Uh, let's also talk about the two redesigned strikes. Summoning Pits and De Devil's Lair. They already know that we don't want to do the same exact strike and we don't want quote-unquote 
taken versions of the strikes, just SIVA versions. So they're completely redoing the strikes, adding new dialogue and a, an actual storyline reason to go back into those strikes. And as long oh. as there's a different path to take, I'm happy with it. I mean, uh, from the one tiny bungee stream they showed, you know, when instead of going straight down a hall, you jump down to where a wall used to be and kill stuff. Take a whole different path. You know, if these are what the SIVA strikes are going to be like, yeah, I'm definitely excited for it. Now, do you think um, there are a lot of different ways to get through the tunnels of the hive underground and the moon? So do you think with the Fogoth strike, do you think they'll kind of do the different doors scenario with that too? Maybe you have different ways to get through it? I really hope they do, because that's an easy strike to do that little thing. Now, when it comes to Devil's Lair, there's really one path and one path alone. You can approach it from a different way, like going, say, the way towards um, what Fallen Saber, just and yeah, go through yeah. um, underground tunnels or whatever. Yeah, yeah, through the grottos, then going up. So, I mean, th that's an option, too. But uh, there's only th that, that's the only real change that they could do with regards to that strike. I mean, you, you can't really change that strike too much. I mean, considering that you don't really do anything... I mean, let, let's analyze the original strike. You start off in the rocket yards. You go through the, the little area into the, um, the refinery. And then you, you activate the, the beacon there and you fight off waves. You can easily go start off from the other side into the grottos, go through, fight a whole bunch of taken splicers in there, activate the beacon, fight another set of enemies, then go through the area and into the the devil's lair. So, I mean, you can you can switch things up that way, but I really hope that they take the different paths strategy with regards to the moon and say like the first part is. That determines where you go is your uh, kind of like those public events where you have to follow a fallen dropship, kill a whole bunch of splicers, and like it takes you to let's say Temple of Crota area, or another one takes you to the main area where you go through to Fogoth. Just, I mean, it's an easy change that they could do to make it so that you're going through a different path to get to Fogoth. Or the whatever they decide to do. Oh, God. Yeah, what if they've done the, um, the whole splicer shank thing of cutting holes in places and letting you have new access to new areas? Then they could have put a lot more things in. I agree with the Devil's Lair, where you know you, there's not a lot you can do. But if they have cut new walls in and there's new paths, then there's there's no doubt that that strike. You might have different start points, so you might not necessarily start in the rocket yards. You could end up starting somewhere else and have a completely different path. Right. I mean, I mean, we already know that that area right there hasn't had many changes. The uh, where you fight the, the the what is it the the fallen walker? Yeah. I mean, they already went to that area. There wasn't anything new there. So there's, I'm 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 not going to. I'm going to wait until they actually show the strike off before I say anything with regards to those strikes. I am very happy that they're giving an actual storyline reason as to why we're going there. Because the fact that we went 
back to Valis to Arik, and there was no actual storyline reason <laughs> except that now it just has taken was kind of weird to me. You can uh, you can argue that all Taken King did was just reset everything with regards to the game, like rebooted it, which is why now you're fighting Valis to Arik, and there's also Taken. But it was still kind of weird considering that Valis to Arik is mentioned in the main storyline of the mission by Zavala. So it was it, at least they're kind of changing it now and giving you an, an actual reason to go back. And it might, and, and as we know, it, it's not the exact same, um, what, Sepkis Prime. It's, it's Sepkis Perfected, and it might not be Fogoth. It might be something else. See, to me, though, um, I really never have a problem going back to strikes with no story reason. Like, if you have the strikes involved in the story, then yeah, the strikes are, are part of the story. Cool, go do them as part of the story. But strikes as a whole, I mean, you're going to go back and kill the same boss over and over again. So I'd rather just have more options in that strike playlist, even if there's no real story reason to do it. Yeah, but but here's, here's the thing. Like, that's been a problem with the actual game that they put in stuff. And they haven't really focused on the story. The, the story, there's so many disjointed areas. And, and at a certain point, you kind of want to go. You want the story to go at least be cohesive. And there be a reason for you to do a, a said story. I don't mind it if you put, say, that strike in the playlist and play it again. But at least make the first time that you do the strike as part of the quest or whatever. Make it so that there's an actual storyline reason. And then if you want to introduce like changes or whatever, then let it go ha and happen in the horror strike playlist. But just like actually make a storyline reason for that strike to be there. Because they've already in introduced elements of those strikes and mentioned those strikes in the story itself. So you kind of have to respect that. I believe that, that that will become the natural progression. Uh, if you think about it, that's what they did with Tanix. I mean... Um, Tanix was such a good strike in terms... I, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah, but I was just yeah. going to say, Tanix is such a good strike because it's its own self-contained story. Yes. it's It wasn't involved in the actual House of Wolves. It was like, this, this guy is here. We finally trapped him. Let's go get him. And... And Skolas during the whole House of Wolves, chasing Skolas around gave you a reason to be here. You know, you're going to Venus, why? Because Skolas is there messing with the Vex. You're going here, why? Because Skolas is there. You know, and I can appreciate that, and if they put that into the strikes, where, you know, the 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 main villain of this expansion is not the boss of the strike, but... This makes an appearance. You know, he's trying to uh, cooperate with the uh, spliced up uh, ser serpix or whatever. You know, just make it cohesive. Right. But, like, what I was saying is um, during the story mission, it's fine. And I think it's awesome to put a few strikes as part of the story progression. But if you want to go to this strike playlist and play more than two or three strikes, you got to have strikes that are just from the past and don't really make sense in the current story. They're just there 
and they're playable and they're in the playlist. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't care if they're not involved in the current expansion because I'm going to the strike playlist to play them. To me, when I'm going to the strike playlist, it's, it's not part of the story. And I don't care if it moves forward the story. It's just going through and working to get rewards and have fun doing these strike activities over and over again. In the story mission, yeah, they should be involved. But once you're in that strike playlist, I really don't care if they're involved in the story. I just want more variety. Right. And and that's what that's what I was saying. That I, I, I don't mind any changes to it where it doesn't make sense in the strike playlist. But in the actual story, like make it so it's actual part of the story. Yeah. So we're all in agreement. Yes. And have no reason to have this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. We've achieved a lot. We want. All right. We want. Uh, we want one thing in story mission, and let it fly in a strike playlist, man. Let let it let it hang loose. Bring it all in. So. The main theme of the raid is going to be collision and the raid is going to be taking place outdoors and you can see part of the area from other parts of the Plaguelands. And as always, the raid is going to have its own full set of armor and actually before I even get to that, I've just realized I completely forgot one thing. They're going to make it so that you can't farm strikes people. Yay. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I never liked farming strikes anyway. I just so, want to bang my head against the wall doing it. So, so what I'm talking about, guys, is that they made it so that strikes are going to drop skeleton keys. Once you're done with a strike, it's going to set up a chest that is going to pop up. You open the chest, you get the strike-specific loot. It's still going to be random, like what perks are on it, whether it's a weapon or an armor piece, but you get guaranteed loot from doing the strike. I think that's smart, though, because that now kind of feels like a treasure room. Like, it feels like you did the strike, here's a reward. You did the strike, here's a reward. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that was always the best thing about Prison of Elders. Like, when you went in there and you completed it, you went to the treasure room, you got guaranteed loot. Yeah. So, I, I'm completely okay with this. Anything to stop the farming Omnigal situation. And so that you have a chance of getting, for example... The grasp of Malak. Even if you don't get the perfect roll, you at least now have the fastest firing pulse rifle. Yeah, you always have a chance. Right. Um, so going back to the raid thing, which you started, yep. since we covered that quick little thing, I'm going to make a prediction right here. Because its theme is collision, I'm going to almost guarantee you that one of the raid bosses, we cannot damage at all, and we have to make it hurt itself. I can't, You know what? I, I, I was thinking about that. At the same time, I was thinking, I wonder if one of the bosses we're not going to be able to, as you mentioned, do any damage. We have to make them fall off a cliff. Hmm. I can see that too. Or ram them with our sparrows. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> go ahead. I feel like it's going to be something where it's like, oh, like get the boss to attack you at this point somehow. All right. It attacks you. Move as fast as you can away. It hits something. Now it starts to lose some shield and eventually, like, it loses its armor and you can shoot it or something like that. For me, one of the coolest bosses I've ever uh, fought in a game was in Super Metroid. Uh, the name was Crocomire. Crocomire had no health bar and you could do no damage to, to its actual body. The only weak spot, quote unquote, weak, weak spot was its mouth. And what you would do is you would continuously fire missiles whenever it would open up his mouth. And every time you shot a missile into it, it would take a step back. 
That's what and she it would said. it would continue taking steps back until it fell into the lava pit, and then it would die there. So if there's a raid boss, kind of like Crocomire, where you would you you have to find the weak spot, you're not really doing damage. All you're doing is pushing it backwards or kind of you know forcing enemies to like pit into it or or whatever. Like that'd be very cool because you're it's all about like they like you mentioned collision, like pushing something back encountering something like actually going after something instead of staying back and you know oh we got the buff everybody over here do damage like you know i i believe that that is a distinct possibility just based on the mechanics of the quarter orcs you know there are quarter orcs fights where the key part of the fight is positioning the main people in a way that they can finally be damaged where nothing you do matters unless you get them in position for it to matter. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, I, I, I'm excited for this. I, I'm excited to see what this uh, the raid is about. Uh, I'm, I don't really want to talk too much about the raid, and it's not because I'm not excited for the raid. It's just I kind of want to go into it blind and just have fun with it that first day. Uh, we already know about the death of Zamboni, so we'll see what it's like. I'm excited about the raid being collision, and I'm excited about the raid being outdoors. So, Oh my god, I'm so happy about that. So we already know about the uh, the raid obviously dropping full armor sets and specific weapons. Who's surprised by that? Not me. What's really cool is what they're introducing in the game, where the game will have a record book similar to the SRL book and the year two moments of triumph. I really, really want them to continue pushing this, this thing with the book because I, I find the whole book system really, really cool, really, really fun and engaging. You're kind of making your own moments of triumph as you're playing the game and you're seeing what you've done, what you've accomplished. The, the, don't get me wrong. The quest system's really cool, but when you're seeing it in the book, you have completed this. You got this. You did this. There's something really cool about that. And it's like when you finally complete the book, I already know that people are going to be posting it all over Facebook. Like, look what I did. You guys suck. Well, there's also the fact that uh, the book makes it so you now can always have something to do. It's like, all right, I'm bored. Let me open my book. What haven't I done? All right, I'm going to do this now because the book says this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. You're writing your own grimoire. And I think that's pretty cool. That's the way I look at the SRL book. In the moment of Triumph book, um, I'm adding to the Grimoire, the lore of destiny. Exactly. The legend of my guardian. And then and, and then we'll have fake Bife over here read it with his scantily British voice. Yeah. <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> was, was that rude? I'm sorry. I'll allow it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> well, one of the cool things too about the the, the game that's going to be introduced here is that there's going to be customization up the wazoo. I guarantee you that the main reason this wasn't in previous versions was because of the PS3 and Xbox 360 limitations. You're able to add ornamentation to your guns and your armor, so you're not going to look exactly the same. You want to put fur trim on on your dead orbit uh, armor piece? Go for it. 
You want to put SIVA-inspired nodes on your gun? Go for it. You want to change the color of your Monte Carlo? Make it rainbow color if you want. You, you can do all these different things now with ornamentation that if you looked on the... Uh, I'm going to kind of jump a little bit ahead. On the Kvostov uh, exotic piece, on the right side, there were two nodes that you could put in an ornamentation for the gun. So this is going to be really, really cool to see how they introduce this to all the different um, armor pieces and exotic weapons and regular weapons to make yourself look completely different, completely badass, and complete and not everybody running around with the King's Fall armor set, for example. Uh, while we're talking about some of this stuff, uh, like the customization and stuff they're bringing in, do we want to talk about changes to artifacts? We will later on. But for right now, David, why don't you go ahead and talk about mash those buttons? Oh, okay. I guess we can do that instead. <laughs> mash those buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on games you care about. Always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today on Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. I didn't want you to think I was just shutting you down completely, but we already had that set up for another, for a later topic in, in the episode. I so, see, I totally didn't think we did. That's <laughs> so I guess I'm just blind and read the show notes wrong. It's okay. So the new PvP mode, let's go ahead and jump into it, PvP activities. The new mode is called Supremacy, which is similar to Call of Duty's Kill Confirm mode, except kills get you absolutely nothing. Assists get you absolutely nothing. Revives get you absolutely nothing. Supers, good job, you killed a bunch of people. You get nothing. The only way to score points is to collect enemy engrams, which drop from when you kill an enemy in Crucible. You can pick up your teammates' engrams to prevent the other team from scoring points, but picking up ally engrams grant no points. And you can play Supremacy in 6v6, Inferno, or Free For All. What do you guys think of the game mode so far? They were talking about this for the longest time, and they finally revealed it in the Game Informer article. Okay, can I, can, I, can I throw my points in first here? No. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I'll go. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, as well. Um, I like it, to be fair. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see what people do in their fire teams, whether they're just going to have like two snipers and four people just collecting. But uh, I think it's going to throw a different thing into the mix. I, I like that, you know, Rift came in and it was a bit of kind of capture the flag-ish like stuff, but this is just completely different. And I, like I, that. I thought snipers are supposed to be used like shotguns in this game. I do have people sniping and I collect them. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> my thing is, uh, I've always loved Kill Confirmed in Call of Duty because it's a nice twist on TDM. Uh, so I'm happy about it. My only beef with it is that you don't get points from picking up ally engrams because then you know that people aren't going to be like as encouraged to do it, even though like it prevents points from going to the other team. I feel like there should have been like a minimal point given to you when you pick up an ally point kind of show that you're doing teamwork on both sides uh, problem is you could abuse that uh not really because if, if you so the way it worked in um call of duty was 
it was, I think it was like a certain amount of points for a kill, more points for the confirm, and points that were equal to the amount for a kill for picking up an ally thing. So even if you um, picked up every single ally thing, you weren't getting any advantage because people were getting points for the kill as well. Right, but like for example, what what since you're you're obviously getting no points for kills or anything in this game mode, you could easily send one person to get slaughtered, then the entire team comes from behind, obliterates say the two teammates or the two enemies that were there. They got those two engrams, then they get the the ally engram that's 3 points whatever the system is. Let's just use 1 point for right now. Three points right there, and all of a sudden, like that, you can easily to lead to situations where, I mean, it's a smart move. Yeah, I call that good strategy. It's a strategy, but you got an, an additional point that you you really shouldn't have. See, I just feel like a part of the the reason why I think it is because part of the objective should be picking up your ally engrams, and I think you should be rewarded for playing the objective. You, well, you're definitely going to be rewarded for playing the objective. I mean, you have to play the objective in this game mode. I don't think you should get points for ally. Right. I mean, plus the ally, you could suicide. and, and Yeah, you win. <laughs> Whoever dies fastest wins. Um, I think in Call of Duty, if you suicided, no thing dropped. But I'm not sure. Which is something they could do. I don't know. We can we can have different opinions on this one. I just feel no, we like can't. you need to shut up. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I feel like in this there should be points for picking up allies. It's, and you're wrong. It's okay, but Let's that's my only beef with that. I also about. really like how they decided to make it a six v six and it's an inferno and a free for all game mode because it, it keeps it open to everybody to be able to play this new game mode. Right. Uh, the only thing I hope is what. Remember a couple months ago they introduced the. Uh, what is it that I forget that the, the the type or you can go in by yourself and you're only going to be playing a against freelance. people freelance. There we go. How often does freelance come around? Uh, well, hopefully we're hoping that the crucible playlist gets longer now that uh, the old last gen's gone. You know that directory gets much bigger. That's what we're hoping. For. Right, but but no, like let's really analyze this. How long does freelance come up? It never it's shows like, up. Once every two weeks, there's so, a different type of freelance. So then what's the point of even introducing the freelance if you're not going to show it, like like have a mode for 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 people who only want to play by themselves? I don't know. We discussed this a ways back, though. And like I said, the reason why people complain most about freelance is Iron Banner, and they never even introduced freelance to Iron Banner. Then they never should. It's, a, it's an end game activity. But anyway, like I just hope that with Supremacy... You get, there's actual nodes that let you select 6v6, Inferno, and free-for-all whenever you want, not just, say, how they have freelance oh, right now. I get what you're saying. You don't want it to be like, we have supremacy, but this week it's only free-for-all supremacy. This week right. it's only freelance and supremacy. Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that, that, that would that, suck if they did that. that. That's just stupid. Like, I, 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 I really want this game... You know what? I kind of want them to introduce that, that 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 thing in all the game modes where you can select 6v6 supremacy. You risk, you know, separating all these different people, you know, and, and, and longer load times. But let us play the game mode that we want, which may happen. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I, I just think that the, 
you know what? Now that I think about it, with regards to the freelance, they may get rid of that completely com- because of what may may come down the the the, the pike. But I, I just think that with supremacy, if you offer supremacy and you only and you change it every week where it's six v six or inferno, like that that just doesn't fly to me. Like I want to be able to do supremacy whenever I want in a team of six if I want in inferno if I want or free for all if I want. So let's talk about the actual maps, the new maps, because technically David was right. There's only three new maps for most people. Woo-hoo. You have a fourth map if you're on PlayStation, but you have three maps. We have the last exit map, which is on Venus, and it's based in an old subway station. You have the floating gardens, which is a Vex shrine on Venus. And you have Skyline, a map set on Mars in Clovis Spray with a vista that looks over the buried city. The PS exclusive map, Icarus, is a solar collection site on Mercury. Now, am I the only one that found it a little weird that they didn't introduce a Plague Lands map? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. With extra, extra deadly environmental hazards. <laughs> With lava? You yeah. Push, push people into <laughs> lava? Oh my god. I think we gotta look at um, the PS exclusive map during the uh, quick preview of the supremacy game mode though right i think that was the biggest exclusive one what well, sounds the most like anyway i i just i really hope that they took into account the complaints that we've had about the maps to heart and i hope we don't run into situations where the just imbalance and and just only providing one gameplay style this is a sniper map this is a shotgun map like make it a map kind of like what you did with rusted lands where you can play any type of game type on there there's sniper lanes obviously in rusted lands but there's other ways to get around that you don't have to run into sniper lanes all the time isn't rusted lands their test one though it's their test that's, one that's why they, they've got it so good right but but like if if they already know that this is their the favorite map they can easily make versions of that. Obviously, it's not a complete clone, but very similar ideas where you can go around and do different things in different areas and make it, say, a Vex theme. So, yeah, yeah. They, they need to make sure they focus on keeping maps balanced and with multiple playstyles every time they make them. So... So obviously the the main reason most people know Lord Saladin is through the Iron Banner mode and they already mentioned that Iron Banner is going to have gigantic changes some of which have been revealed um such as the tempering buff going away you're going to be able to reach level 5 quicker you no longer have to wear the Iron Banner shader emblem and class item to get the reputation boost and all the bounties are going to be reworked only thing they've really mentioned about the new Iron Banner mode is that Supremacy is going to be the first Rise of Iron Banner... I can't speak. Rise of Iron, Iron Banner mode. That'd be um, awesome. And that there are still other changes that haven't been revealed with regards to the Iron Banner itself. It's changed in significant ways. And they're going to be talking about that, hopefully in one of the upcoming streams. Haven't they said that they're bringing in um, the buff, character buff, is staying? So you just yes, get temporary buff, but you still get the... Uh, 
Right, the character buff is remaining in in there. Um, it's just that the we they haven't really talked about anything else with regards to the Iron Banner. So your secondary character buff for anyone wondering or anyone who doesn't know, it's if you level up on your first character, your second and third character level up faster. Right. The I've, one thing that go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I think all the changes are that I've seen so far are awesome. Uh, it makes playing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday more relevant, which is awesome. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing I've always hated about Iron Banner. When you're playing the first day it comes out, yeah, you I mean you're getting reputation, but there's no real reason to play it until you get to the weekend. If your goal is to level up all five uh, all three characters to level 5, why play on Tuesday? Why waste your time? Why not do the raid, get other all other stuff out of the way? And then worry about Iron Banner later on. Like, that just never made sense to me. Yeah, I cheat every time. I'll wait until Sunday or Monday and have, you know, played a couple of bits of the weekend. You just complete two weeklies and then with the tempering buff and then with the character buff, you can pretty much hand in two weeklies and a couple of dailies on a Monday. I just rank up all three characters to rank five. Mm -hmm. So... And Bungie has stated that a long-requested change in features coming to the Crucible. I wonder what that is. Okay, time out. We cannot get super excited and say it's private matches yet because there are two things everybody has been requesting, not just one. People have been requesting private matches, which would be awesome, but there has been some internal talk that people have come out and said that private matches are not even being worked on so we can't get super hyped up just about private matches. There's also the potential that they could have dedicated servers they're introducing. Uh-oh. Donna. Donna, na, 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 na. Which one is it? Hold Which on, one baby. is it, Bungie? Bungie, let me know, Senpai. Please notice me. <laughs> I, I, I need both in my life. Oh. That's true. We do need both. I, I I honestly believe that we're more likely to get private matches than customs, uh, not custom, than dedicated servers, just because it would make more sense for them to introduce dedicated servers in Destiny 2 when you change everything than changing the entire netcode for an aging engine. Hey. I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying I don't want to get hyped up about private matches and be it be something else. So we'll see. It hasn't been announced yet, but the two rumors are either private matches or dedicated servers. So we'll definitely see, and and we're crossing our fingers. I hope for uh, dedicated servers, but I definitely am hoping more for private matches. So let's go ahead and uh, just... Jump into the last section where we talk about minor details and final thoughts. Thorn is coming back. Yay. <laughs> um, actually, Thorn isn't, isn't that bad. The main utility of Thorn now is to keep somebody's recovery from coming back up and keeping them weak. It, it's not about using the poison to kill somebody. So I'm, I'm okay with the way Thorn is now. But man, does Thorn have some range. Oh my god, Thorn has ridiculous range. Uh, we already know that there's going to be exotic armors, including a warlock boot. 
We already know that the new exotic Kvostov is going to be obtained from collecting Kvostov pieces. And let's talk about the customization of that gun because that has the potential to be either extremely game-breaking or completely weak. Ooh, I'm going to lean towards the weak side. Really? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it looks awesome. I'm glad they did it. And the fact that you can change it to basically play however you want to play with it uh, is awesome. But there is obviously going to be one loadout that makes it the best it can possibly be. And everything else is going to be weak. And that best possible loadout could still be pretty weak. Right. Or it'll be, it'll be year two Shiros as well. You can change that and have a little bit of play with it and have a different style, but none of them really meet the meta, do they? Right. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the really interesting thing about Kavasov is it could be the jack of all trades, but the master of none. And it's really cool that you have the option of going from auto rifle to pulse rifle style to scout rifle style. I am just curious to see how all the perks work together. Because, I mean, you could set it up to have almost max stability with the fastest fire rate, and you have yourself a potential year two doctrine of passing just way worse. As in, in terms of, of like your opponents just dying really, really quickly and they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so the one thing we mentioned this on, uh, Tuesday when, well, either what we released on Tuesday when we recorded it a little before that, but, uh, we mentioned how the fastest fire rate guns are the ones that dominate. So unless there's a big change coming, why would anybody customize this gun to be anything other than the highest fit, like fire rate? Well, remember that they've always accompanied an up or an expansion or some sort with an update to the meta. So it would not surprise me if there was a, an update soon to the actual meta. Well, I agree with that. It's been kind of this way since Destiny came out, except for a period of time where like the messenger was considered the strongest. Like it's still always been the fastest fire rates, the best. And right. I, I, it's, it's just doesn't, it's hard for me to understand why they'd give you the option to slow down your fire rate when no one's going to want to do it. Right. I, I mean, I, I, I anticipate within the next few weeks, we're going to get an update to the, the game. I mean, if we all remember not too long ago, they did an, uh, an update to all the classes and it was just like instantaneous, like, by the way, we're going to update all the classes. Okay. Thanks for letting us know. And it's today. Oh, cool. <laughs> so we already know about the Kvostov. We know about a, an exotic RoboCop style sidearm exotic, which I'm actually excited to see an exotic sidearm besides the garbage Dreg's promise. Uh, there's going to be an exotic the SIVA themed pulse rifle, which fires clouds of poison. So you have another gun that is going to be thorn like, and it's a pulse rifle with range. Oh, yes. Oh, and, and this is the, the, the importance about this. If, the, if there's going to be another gun that does, damage over time is as David was talking about the eight specific armor, um, not armor pieces, the artifacts that are coming with the game. There's a whole bunch of them. 
and the one of them in, in, introduced uh, damage over time protection. Another one introduced you lose your super, but all your abilities charge really, really fast. Another one introduced uh, where you have no cooldown time when you're running. So if you're running and running and running, and all of a sudden you stop. And then you could quickly run back again and avoid a whole bunch of enemies and stuff. I, I forget what the other ones introduced, uh, but those were the big ones that, that really stuck out to me. So I'm really, really interested to see how they play. In fact, you know what? Let's just go over them one at a time. Uh, Memory of Radagast, um, where you can reflect. Well, it's they say reflect, but I'm almost guaranteeing they mean deflect energy-based projectiles, including Ogre's Blast, Crucible Rocket, and they did confirm supers can be reflect uh, deflected. Yes. You have the Memory of Perun, where the artifact highlights enemy guardians with full supers. The actual guardian is highlighted yellow, and enemies with low health are targeted red for easy targeting. Then you have the Memory of Yolder, an artifact that lets you completely eliminate sprint cooldown. That's the one that we were talking about. Memory of Silimar, which dramatically reduces damage over time effects. Uh, Memory of Felwinter, where you lose your super but gain an extra grenade and melee charge. This is for everybody. That's a... Oh my god. Storm colors with an extra melee. Oh god. Um, and a boost to all your stats, orbs, and recharge your grenade and melee ab abilities. Memory of Gillian where the Guardian that wields his artifact gain detailed radar all times, which is similar to the Hunter detailed radar. And the radar persists when aiming down your primary weapon, so you have third eye. Uh, then you have the memory of Scory, where you're basically a version of Song of Flame, except for supers. That's insane. So that, that, that'll help play into team-based play. And then you have the memory of Teamer, where enemy creatures are <laughs> tricked to being on your side. So you become a, a necromancer. Or a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> my pimp hand is strong, throw. Trace, trace. All Yo, right. Oh my God. Yo, you know what? That's ex I'm going to slap a throw and have him controlled for 30 seconds. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Pimp Yo. hand. Yo, you pimp slap a throw and you have control. Yo, <laughs> oh yo, that's God. awesome. I'm done. I just, I just thought of so many hilarious things where you pimp slap a captain. He's like, "Oh, sire," and then just <laughs> start slapping oh a whole bunch of dregs God. all over the place. Yo, that's awesome. Thank you, thank you. You, you, you just made my day. <laughs> so a lot of these uh, <laughs> artifacts are obtained uh, from the actual quests at Felwinter's Peak. There are three artifacts that you can obtain a week, and you have to do specific um, quests and, and, and offerings to the statue of the, of the individual. If you notice, there's eight artifacts, but there's, there were 10 Iron Lords, which means that one of them might still be alive and might play into the actual story. So people have been talking about where is um Ephrodite. Ephrodite. Ephrodite yeah. Yeah, so we we we're, we're hoping that Ephrodite is involved 
and has a spear with a uh, 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 with final round on it. <laughs> oh my god! No, never, yeah. <laughs> never again. Effort eats artifact. All all guns have final round on them. I would quit playing this game forever. <laughs> oh my god. I really so, want to delve more into Fell uh, Winter. I am really interested in their story. Fell Winter's artifact. All shotguns have shot package. Shut up. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, You're not allowed to design games ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> branching away from Rise of Iron, um, Activision had a a quarter two earnings call and they were talking about most of Bungie is currently working on destiny two. And this is the first time that they've actually said destiny two. Now that might not be the official title, but it was just interesting to see that Activision actively was talking about the game and how they actually mentioned the entire, uh, that a great deal of the team is working on that, which is interesting considering about 200 people worked on worked or are working on Rise of Iron, which means that either the team grew or there's something else happening with regard to Destiny 2. Um, and we already know that Fessel of Loss is going to be returning in the winter, uh, more specifically for Halloween, and so will SRL. So either SRL has become a winter thing where they'll make it available for a couple weeks, or they're just starting to release it on a more consistent basis starting in December. I am excited for SRL. Yes, welcome back, SRL. I think eventually we'll see SRL in the game full-time, and that was kind of pointed at by them saying, like, they have bigger plans for SRL more than just it coming back once a year. Mm -hmm. So besides that, was there anything else you guys wanted to throw in from this gigantic conversation we had about Rise of Iron? No, not really. I mean, we've seen a lot, and we're going to see more. Uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about PvP after uh, it's Gamescom, right? Yep. And, uh, I mean, the coming weeks, uh, Game Informer already teased that they're going to have people who talk about creating raids and stuff. So, there'll be a lot more for us to talk about. Yeah. What, a, yeah. what about uh, you, James? I think we covered most of it, to be honest. I'd like to see that, you know, what they do reveal in it, because obviously this article's been brought out and we've kind of seen, as I said, everything. So it'd be interesting to see what they're actually uh, going to do. But I think the one thing leading on from the last point, obviously, if Festival of Lost and SRL and people working on Destiny 2, which means it pretty much blows the spring rumour for Destiny 2 out of the water if you've got stuff going back. And obviously they're going to pad it out till next summer and announce Destiny 2 at next E3. Then... You know, I think if they're going to be working on Destiny 2, it looks like there probably won't be another expansion for Destiny 1. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if that bodes well for us in our year 3 content, but uh, we'll see. All right, David, you want to wrap this bad boy up? Yeah, I mean, we want to thank everybody for listening to In Orbit and let you all know we are available on a ton of platforms, so please spread the word for us. We're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, Google Play Music, Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, and we have an RSS feed. Make sure to check out the other shows on Master's Button Network as well. We have Double Tap, our fighting game podcast released bi-weekly on Wednesdays for fans of Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and other fighting games. 
Wow Talk, our podcast dedicated to the world of Warcraft, released bi-weekly on Tuesdays. Watchpoint Radio, our podcast focusing on the sights, sounds, and groans of your constant failure to stop Bastion on Overwatch, available weekly on Tuesday. Sit Rap Radio, our podcast dedicated to getting you up and around the streets of New York, released weekly on Mondays. Frontline Radio, our podcast dedicated to the soldiers fighting on the battlefield and on the battlefront once a month on the third week of each month. And of course, we are in orbit, your resource dedicated to the stargazers and darkness destroyers in Bungie's Galaxy, available bi-weekly on Monday. For any questions regarding scheduling, check mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule for scheduling details. Awesome. And of course, remember Pimp Slaps of Memory of Teamer. That's coming to <laughs> a, to your face in the near future. Check us out on twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, youtube.com slash mash those buttons. David, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DS underscore Bolt or streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DS Bolt. No underscores, no spaces. James, where can people find you at? I am on PSN as JX Hale and I'm on Facebook and Technodrome Plan. And Dre, where can people find you at? Brody beat down on the social medias. <laughs> all and of them. All on, the social medias. We have all the social medias, pimp slaps. Anyway, exactly. I'm available on Twitter at GoToNRG. I'm available on Facebook at Jorge Vegija. And you can also find me at the Guardians of the Technodrome at www.facebook.com slash group slash guardians of the technodrome if you want to join us there you're more than welcome to if you're looking for people to play with as we're going to have lots and lots of people come in soon uh come rise of iron and as i mentioned earlier i will be streaming rise of iron at www.twitch.tv slash go to nrg and please 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 check out our page uh the technodrome.club and click on the Rise of Hope charity to go ahead and learn about the donation system that we got going on, as well as um, future events that are going to be happening there for the Rise of Hope charity. And with that, uh, don't forget to contact us with any questions for the podcast at inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. My prior events are not a memory, it is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy what lies in front of me, but as, as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue. What is in my future is my destiny. And on behalf of the entire In Orbit team, we thank you for listening to our show and as always, We'll see you on the next mission. <laughs>